Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. We thank you once again for this day that you've given us and made for us. We thank you for all the things that you've given us this whole week, this past week, Lord God. Thank you for this blessing of having a church and I fear for our lives as we come and worship you. Lord, as we say that and as we pray that, Father, I pray for all of our hearts, Lord God, to be opened by your Holy Spirit. And give us all the wisdom, Lord God, to understand what it is you're trying to tell us through your message, Lord, that you will deliver through me tonight. Father, I pray for wisdom as you do that, Lord God. I pray that you guide my tongue and my lips, Lord God. That if you and you alone be the one to speak to your people, that we speak with truth and only but the truth, Lord God. With boldness, Lord God, for your glory and yours alone. I pray for blessing for this message, Lord, that I have prepared. But at the same time, Father, it is yours to override, Lord God. We ask for forgiveness for all of our sins and anything that might distract us, Lord God. I pray that you remove them in our minds and in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to try to do this again tonight. <laughs> so I'm going to try. I've been used to many years going at that that way in that projector. So I'm going to try to point at the verses here. If this TV is too big for you, Richard and uh, Jeannie, the Pastor Charles, just look at that side, okay? <laughs> okay. So tonight, this is Resurrection Sunday. So please turn your Bibles to... Um, we're going to be reading from Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. And also 1 Corinthians 15, 14. But I want you guys to have in your Bibles the account of Luke. This one's not working on It's lagging. All right. I titled our message, Spoiler Alert. The tomb is empty. All right? There's nothing. There's, there's nothing for you to be surprised with tonight. If you have been a believer for quite some time, you know that the tomb is empty. You know that Christ has resurrected from the dead. Amen? And if you have, or if you are that friend who loves to tell your friends who haven't seen that movie and spoil them, right? You tell them on what the twist is. They're the spoiler. So tonight we're not going to say anything new. You're not going to find out anything new about Jesus, you know, rising from the dead. That's the that's the bottom line. He's, he rose from the dead. If you've been a believer for quite some time, you know that. There's nothing new. But the thing is, there's so many things to still learn from this same passage because it's so rich with everything that God wants to tell us. But the biggest blockage for us to learn is our pride. But the, the second that you said you know this already, that prevents you from learning anything. 
The hardest lessons to learn are the things that we think we already know. Amen? That's why accidents happen. That's why accidents happen, because you thought you already knew what you were doing, and all of a sudden, like, oops, what happened there? So we're going to be reading this. The tomb is empty. In Luke 24, verse 1 to 12, it reads, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. He has risen. It's clear. Right? Many times you've seen it, many times you've read it, that Jesus is alive. Amen? For the believers, you surrendered your life to Christ. You accepted Him as your Lord. You surrendered your life to Him. Because you believe that if you surrender your life to Him, if you accept Him as your Lord, your eternity is secure because of what He has done. He has paid for your sins. Amen? If you've done that, you know that. But then the question is, why are you living a defeated life when you do forget that your Jesus is alive? The failure of us believers, and I'm speaking to the believers, is that sometimes we act as if our God is not alive. Amen? The failure of us believers is that we believe that Jesus created the universe, God created the universe by just saying it. We believe that God will take us to heaven because of what Jesus did. We believe all of that. We believe we surrendered our eternal salvation and security upon Him. But yet, we don't believe that God, sometimes for some of us, we act as if God cannot solve our problems. We act and live as if God cannot help us overcome the struggle that we have. When it comes to sin, or whatever it is that's preventing you from moving, to where God wants you That is a question for the believers. And for the people that have not surrendered their lives to Christ, have you actually investigated if this is true? If Jesus is real, if Jesus did resurrect, have you actually did the investigation of the faith? If you are holding on to a worldview that is different from Jesus, have you actually done that? Or are you just relying or resting on the tradition that you have with your family? Because you don't want to betray your family. You don't want to be the outcast in your family. You want to hold to that family tradition more than embracing the truth about Jesus. Because if Jesus did resurrect, everything follows. Okay, Everything goes with that. Him dying on the cross for your sins and mine is true. Amen? If that is real, if Jesus resurrected, then that Him dying on the cross is real. So what's holding you back? Have you done, have you actually investigated if this is true? Because this has eternal, eternal consequences. So tonight we're going to try to explore this. And for us believers, we're going to try to dig in deeper. Maybe there is something that we haven't discovered 
about the power of the resurrection, about the significance of the resurrection for us. And we're going to see... Okay, I'm, just, I'm still trying to maneuver or learn the controls here. So after... Where am I? The significance of the Jesus' resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, he reads, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. Paul speaking. In verse 17 it reads, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Verse 21 it reads, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For, for, Adam, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Paul saying that if Jesus did not resurrect from the dead, our faith, our Christian faith, is useless. And if because it's useless, we are still all in our sins. Is that clear for us, believers? That's why where resurrection is one of the most important, if not the most important thing, event for us. Because Christ's birth will not mean anything. Christ's death on the cross will not mean anything if he did not resurrect from the dead. Amen? Because then he did prove, he did prove that he was God. Everything that he said didn't mean anything. But then the opposite is true. If he resurrected, then everything that he said is true. Amen? And everything that he said is true. What are we doing about that? Paul was very clear that without our Lord Jesus resurrecting from the grave, we have no hope in him. The cross won't have any power. His suffering, his words will mean nothing if he didn't rise up, rose up from the dead. But he did. He did. What good is a lifeguard? Everybody that goes to the beach, right? You're at the beach, there's a designated lifeguard, right? Hopefully. And then in the pool, if you're in an expensive country club, there's a lifeguard. What good is a lifeguard if that's a mannequin dressed up as a lifeguard? <clears throat> Sitting in the post with a lifeguard shirt, right? He looks like a lifeguard, seems like a lifeguard, wears that title as a lifeguard, but is a mannequin. How will that mannequin save you if you're drowning? It's the same if your faith is not real. It's the same if your faith is in the wrong God. But our God, Jesus, is alive. Amen? Amen. Our God is alive. Alright, so we're going to go to the tomb is empty. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. We see here and in the next verse that Jesus' death on the cross was planned by God to rescue us from our sins against Him. 
Isn't that the craziest thing? He provided the payment for our mistakes towards Him. That, that is our God. That's how good our God is. That's how loving our God is. The only time you condemn yourself is if you don't accept that gift of salvation. And for many of us, for many of the world, they have rejected Jesus. For many years, you've been trying to dis discount or, or cast doubt towards the resurrection of, of Jesus, but they haven't been successful. If you told the first rope, the first century Roman that their 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 country will be holding, will be one of the places that will be holding the Christian faith, they'll laugh at you. Because almost everyone was against Christianity. But up to now it stands. All they could do is cast doubts. But they never produced the body. They never did. For the tomb to be empty, for the, 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 the stone to be moved, guarded by centurions, trained killers. The only thing that they could cast was when the disciples stole the body. Because they couldn't produce anybody to replace Jesus' body in the tomb. They couldn't come up with anything. All they could say was, was the disciples stole Jesus' body. But everybody, all the great historians will say, will tell you, and have written, and that's impossible. Because the rock, the stone that was put there was heavy, and the centurions that were, that were guarding the body are trained killers. And the disciples are what? Fishermen? Some of them? Tax collectors? They couldn't stand. One centurion will kill all the disciples. But Jesus resurrected. It was moved. It was moved not because so Jesus would get out. It was moved so that we could look in. So that the disciples could look in. So they could find that Jesus isn't there. Amen? And then the angels made that announcement. Again, for those of you who have not surrendered your life to Christ, you have to at least find out if this claim of Jesus, if this claim of Christianity is true or not. Because it has eternal consequences for you. Look at the next verse. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to heaven. We are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Nothing surprises our Lord. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him because Jesus was reading. He read the scriptures. He knew what God's plan for him was. Nothing. Even knowing what was going to happen to him, he faced it. He went willingly to be sacrificed for your sins and mine, not his. Because there's no other payment 
There's no other way that you can pay for your sins. Only through Jesus. We disappoint God. We disappoint and grieve the Holy Spirit. Although God is not surprised. Because He would have not sent His Son to die on the cross for us if we can save ourselves. Jesus' death on the cross paid for your sins in the past. Paid for your sins now. And your sins in the future. Us, we know that, right? Especially me. I knew that. And I took that, the sins in the future, as a license to sin. It's very stupid. Very stupid. Because, although my sins have been paid for, the consequences of them, I'm still accountable for. And my testimony to the people that were watching me I was hurting the name of Christ. I was hurting the testimony of Christ through my lifestyle. Are you doing the same thing? And if we say that everything, Jesus knew about what was going to happen to him because he read the scriptures. How about you? For the believers here, how much of the Bible are you reading? How much of the doctrines, doctrines of our faith do you know? Are you too busy? Right? Everything is written down there. Everything that we need to know about our faith, how we should approach life, is written down. But we take it for granted. Because we leave it to what? We leave it to grace. In Tagalog, Bahala na. Bahala na Lord. Let God take care of it. Right? Let God take care of it. Very careless line of the Filipinos. Say, Bahala na. Oh well. Oh well. Let God handle it. Right? But we know it. We know that we need to read the Bible. But what do we do? We know that we could learn from Bible studies, but what do we do? We take it for granted. And then we struggle in life, and then we wonder why. Jesus around this time also predicted, you know what he also predicted? He predicted that Judas was going to betray him. Somebody that he walked with for three years. He taught him for three years. He poured himself on Judas. For three long years, but then he knew Judas was going to betray him. And he also predicted that Peter, the guy that said, Lord, over my dead body, he also predicted, Jesus predicted that Peter was going to deny him three times. At the perfect time, Jesus predicted the perfect time too, before the rooster crows. Jesus knew everything. Nothing, none of this was a surprise to me. Everything about what happened on the way to the cross and after Jesus knew. You know what? Believers, we're also given that privilege to know what's going to happen. In the book of Revelation, everything is written down on what's going to happen for us. In the Bible, everything's written down there on how we're supposed to face life. We're given the privilege that the believers before didn't really have. 
For us, all these things were put together. 66 books put together. But we don't take advantage of it. Yeah, I get it. What does this have to do with the resurrection, Pastor Joe? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it has everything to do with the resurrection. If you believe in the, a Jesus that is alive, He will speak to you through the Bible. The question is, why are you not reading it? Why are you not reading it? That's your instructions in life. That's our instructions in life. Let me go to Psalm 22. Just as it was written, all these verses, Psalm 22, Psalm 69, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 52, and 53. Everything here says in Psalm 22 presents a clear and accurate description of the process of crucifixion centuries before crucifixion was first practiced. Psalm 69 speaks of the vinegar Jesus would be offered to drink on the cross. You know, that vinegar was supposed to make him numb. That drink was supposed to make him numb, to make the pain go away. But Jesus turned it down. He wanted to feel every bit of it. Because it was for your sins, not his. For our sins, not his. He felt everything. All those whips. They spat on his face. They insulted him. They took out his clothes. They didn't do anything to these people. Isaiah 50 foretells that Jesus would be spat on, that his beard would be plucked, that he would be hit in the face. 52 and 53 describes how Jesus would be beaten for our sins, <laughs> bruised for iniquities. He knew it. Jesus knew it. But yet he obeyed. He marched towards death, towards the crucifixion. You know, the word excruciating came from crucifixion. The word excruciating, most painful, came from the word crucifixion. He knew it, but yet he will Us, on the other hand, when we see and find out what's coming, when we follow God, when we obey Him, we see the challenges that face, faces us, we're quick to run the other way. Because we don't want pain. We don't want trouble. We don't want discomfort. We don't want anything that challenges us. We want everything about Jesus that blesses us. We want everything about Jesus that, that comforts us, that protects us. Lord, protect my family. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that when you ask for that prayer. But then when Jesus brings this comfort to your family so that you will serve Him, what do you do? Oh, never mind, Lord. But you have the sign of Joshua 24, 15 in your, in your household. In my household, we will serve the Lord. If you have that sign, if you have that Bible verse as a sign in your, in your household, ask yourself, are you in your household serving the Lord? Or are you just pretending? Are you playing church? Christ, church, Christ is alive. Amen? We are serving a God that is real. We are serving a God that is alive. 
It's not a mannequin lifeguard. It's a real lifeguard. He didn't play around. What he went through wasn't a joke. But why do we live our lives as Christians permissively living in sin? Justifying our mistakes. We're supposed to be bold, but yet when it comes to sharing the gospel, we're not bold. Well, this is how God created me. No. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have the spirit of boldness. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, despite knowing what he was going to grow through, he faced the challenge. He faced the cross. For those of us who have committed our lives to him, professed and confessed him as Lord and Savior, the question remains, how are you living your life for him? Are you, like Paul, pouring your life as a drink offering? If your answer is no, you can put that life of yours now to death. Put it now to death. Make that resolution in you. Make that decision. And you're going to put that life to death now and live a resurrected life with Christ. It's 2018. One of my jobs as a pastor, I, I believe, is to remind you what date it is. <laughs> that the day, that the time flies. Amen? It's April 1. Can you believe it? We just rang in the new year. It's April 1. The first quarter of the year is done. We're on to our second quarter. What are we doing? Church? Look at the seats in this church. It's still not full. It's still not full. We're still not bursting out the seams. It's not popular, right? Our faith is not popular. It's not accepted by the world. I get it. I totally get it. People would rather watch Star Wars 95,000 than come to church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24 reads, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. If you need that verse, if you're writing it, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 44. Next. For I deliver to you as first importance what I also received, Paul speaking, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Everything that happened to Christ was according to the scriptures. Everything that happens in our lives, God knows. Everything that we need to do for our Lord is written down in the Bible. Everything that you need to know about our faith is written down in the Bible. Everything. No, it doesn't say if you can buy that car or not. No, it doesn't say if you can buy that house or not. Again. No, it doesn't say those things. But if you have a close, intimate relationship with God, you know that the Holy Spirit tugs in your heart. For you to even ask, is this God's will? You already know it's not. Because there's a tug from the Holy Spirit. 
pulling you, reminding you. That's if you are hand in hand with him. Some of you are probably don't even know that because you haven't been that close with God. For some of you are like, what is he talking about? That's why you need to be intimate with him. Because there is, there is that intimacy. And he will talk to you. Speak to you through your circumstances. Through the church. Through the people at church. Through the messages. Through your Bible reading. God speaks. There's no more burning bush experience. Mm. If you're having a burning bush experience, you're probably doing something. <laughs> that we can't talk about here at church. <laughs> Here is the first creed. This is the first creed that was memorized and recited by the first church. Here, again, we see Paul making a statement that God's word came true and that Jesus' death on the cross for our sins are as it was written in the Holy Scriptures. Him being buried proves that he was dead. Amen? It proves that he was dead. And him resurrecting proves that he is alive and he is the Son of God. Mm. A proof of God's love <clears throat> to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Again, for those of you who have not surrendered your life to Christ yet, my question is, what is it about Christianity, about Jesus, that you are not believing? Have you actually done your research? Some skeptics have done it, and I'll show you later as we end, that some have questioned the evidence. Because the evidence is, is out there. This is Paul offering, opening it up for people to prove it or not. This is Paul telling us, there is proof. Next verse. Luke 24, 10 and 12. We see here, now it was Mary, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling. Uh, what had happened. Why in the world did when Jesus resurrected, why in the world did he first appear to women? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> it's not because women love to talk, okay? <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> but women, uh, in Jesus' time, they were considered second-class citizens. Their testimony would not hold in the court of law. Their words meant nothing. But then again, you have to think, why did Jesus appear to women then? Why did he appear to the Pharisees, the chief priests, Pontius Pilate, the guy that's somebody that's very influential, somebody big? Why? Because in 1 Corinthians 1, 27, it reads, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. 
At the time where women's testimony meant nothing, as they were classified as second-class citizens, God chose to first appear to women. If this story of Jesus' resurrection is fake, that why would he do it? If this was manufactured, if this was written by people who are just trying to make this up, why would they make women as the first witness? It won't hold. They know it won't hold. If it were fake, they would make it to where it's someone else. Someone more influential. Correct? But no. It is because it is real. And it's because God chooses the foolish. I'm not calling the women foolish. By no means. But at that time, God was already making a statement. That as the world saw the women as second class citizens, they were wrong. A lot of mistakes has happened in the world. Amen? Before there was the segregation. Blacks here, whites there. Right? A lot of things have been corrected and continues to be corrected. God continues to reveal to us our errors and our mistakes. Amen? And here, I believe my 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 thought here is that God chose the women to tell the world at that time that hey, these women they mean to something to me. They mean a lot to me. And they will testify about me. <laughs> this is William Lane Craig. He's an apologist and he said the vacant tomb of Jesus was a historical reality. The empty grave is reported or implied in extremely early sources. Mark's Gospel and the first Corinthians 15 Creed, which date so close to the event that they could not possibly have been products of legend. The fact that the Gospels report that women discovered the empty tomb bolsters the story stories of authenticity. That make it sense? This is real. Jesus resurrected. I know if you're a believer, I'm not trying to convince you anymore. But if you are a believer, if you and I believe that our Jesus is alive, I ask, are you living in that way? Are you living in that powerful way? Glorifying Him, knowing that He is alive, knowing that He can see you through knowing that He is watching you, knowing that He would enable you to go through that struggle. Are you believing in that kind of Jesus? Or are you believing in the mannequin lifeguard? Eyewitness account. There were eyewitnesses of this event. And that He was seen by Cephas, Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. Then, the last of all, he was seen by me also, all, as by one born out of due time. Paul challenges the skeptics in his time and up to now. If you are a skeptic of this faith, you are being challenged by Paul as he name drops people and he gave a large amount of witnesses to support the claim that Jesus resurrected and is alive. This is 
if, if each person of this number were to get interviewed separately for an average of six minutes, we will have 50 plus hours of eyewitness testimony. That's a lot of eyewitnesses. I think, if anything, that's one of the most compelling proof of the faith. Of the faith on Jesus. Again, we go back. If Jesus did not resurrect, our faith is too tough. It's meaningless. Might as well do whatever you want. Party hard and die, die young. Right? Because there is no God for you to fear. There is no life later. If that were the truth. But it's not. There is a God. And he made a way for us to be with him for eternity. And he gave us a responsibility to carry his name and live a holy life to glorify him. And in the hopes that you too can also bring other people to him. The question is, what's holding us? For us, the believers. We are the eyewitnesses too. We are the eyewitnesses too. When I ask for testimonies, how come this pulpit is not busy every Sunday for testimonies? From the members in this church, how come nobody takes the opportunity to give testimonies about how God has given them the difference in their lives? How come nobody takes it? Because we're shy, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm shy too. Do I stop preaching on Sundays? I don't like watching myself on videos too, but they post it every time. I hear my mistakes, my wrong grammar, my wrong everything. I'm shy too. But hey, our lives are supposed to be spent for God. Amen? <laughs> I shake my head because I hear amen, but then there's that hold back. Amen. 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 We pour our lives for Christ. We should be pouring our lives for Him. We work, what, 40 hours on a regular basis to make money? How much of that, how much of the week do we give to God? How much of it do we give to Him? How much of it did you witness to somebody? Again, these people that witnessed Jesus' resurrection, I want to share with you what happened to the apostles. Most of you already know. I want to share with those who don't know. Into all the world reports and legends abound, and they are not always reliable, but it is safe to say that the apostles went far and wide as heralds of the message of the risen Christ. An early legend says that they cast lots and divided up the world to determine who would go where? So all could hear about Jesus. They suffered greatly for their faith. And because of that, we have it. And most of them met violent deaths on the account of, the, of their boldness to witness for Christ. Peter and Paul, both martyred, martyred in Rome about 66 AD, during the persecution under Emperor Nero, Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down at his request, and the Romans were more than willing to accommodate, since he did not feel he was worthy worthy to die in the same manner as our Lord. 
Andrew went to the land of the man-eaters, which is now known as the Soviet Union. Christians there claim him as, their fir as the first to bring the gospel to their land. He also preached in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and in Greece, where he is said to have been crucified. Wow. And you're shy, right? Because you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to lose a friend. Thomas was probably most active in the area east of Syria. Tradition has him preaching as far east as India, where the ancient Martoma Christians revere him as their founder. They claim that he died there when pierced through the spears of four soldiers. Hmm. You, want, you still want to believe God here? You still want to follow God? If they did not, if the resurrection of Christ was fake and it wasn't real, don't you think when the, when Peter got beheaded, they would say, "Okay, okay, enough, enough. We were just kidding. Jesus did not resurrect. We'll stop." No, they kept going. They kept going. Philip possibly had a powerful ministry in Carthage in North Africa and then in Asia Minor, where he converted the wife of a Roman proconsul. In retaliation, the proconsul had Philip arrested and cruelly put to death. Matthew, the tax collector and the writer of a gospel, ministered in Persia and Ethiopia. Some of the oldest reports say that he was not martyred, while others say he was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew had widespread missionary travels attributed to him by tradition to India with Thomas, back to Armenia, and also to to Ethiopia and Southern Arabia. There are various accounts of how he met his death as a martyr of the gospel. James, the son of Alphaeus, is one of the least three James referred to the New Testament. There is some confusion on which is which, but it is James reckoned to have ministered in Syria. The Jewish historian Josephus reported he was stoned and then clubbed to death. Simon the Zealot, so the story goes, ministered in Persia, was killed after refusing to sacrifice the Son God. Matthias was the apostle chosen to replace Judas. Tradition sends him to Assyria with Andrew and death by burning. John is the only one of the company generally thought to have died a natural death from old age. He was the leader of the church in Ephesus area and is said to have taken care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, in his home. None of the apostles had a professional clergy. They weren't called from the priesthood in Jesus' day. If anything, Paul was the only one with the education, with the law. After the death of the apostles, we, done, we did not find any great missionary figures of the stature of Paul. Yet the faith continued to spread like wildfire. Even though Christianity was declared an illegal religion. Believer, what's your excuse? What's your reason again? I didn't quite hear it. There's nothing wrong with God blessing us. There's nothing wrong to enjoy His blessings. But there is something wrong when we don't do anything. When He moves in our heart and He shows us, this is the person I'm giving you to minister. 
This is an opportunity for you to be a blessing. This is a person I need you to pray for. This is a person I need, I need you to be friends with. This is the time I need you to act like my son. When we don't do those things, that's when there's a problem. Next verse. Evidence investigated. Now again, this is this is when I say, I said earlier that there have been people who challenge or have taken the privilege to investigate the evidence that were given. <clears throat> Sir Lionel Lucko. It says here that I humbly add and I have spent more than 42 years as a defense trial lawyer, appearing in many parts of the world, and I am still in active practice. I have been fortunate to secure a number of success in jury trials, and I say unequivocally, the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. And then Hans von Kampenhausen, this account meets all the, the demands of historical reliability that could possibly be made out of such a text. So once a trial lawyer, very successful, many victories under his name, once a great historian, they both investigated the same proof that was given by Paul. The one that uh, Kampenhausen was speaking about is the first Corinthians 15.3, where Paul was saying the witnesses when he gave that proof. <clears throat> and then lastly, Next, with the next slide, please. We will see here if you haven't seen. No, not that. Lee Strobel. Okay, right. There you go. This is Lee Strobel. If you haven't read or seen the movie Case for Christ, I suggest that you do so. This is from his testimony. I just realized that in light of this torrent of evidence that points so powerfully towards Christianity, it would have required more faith to retain my atheism than to become a Christian. Because to maintain my atheism, I would have to defy the evidence. To become a Christian, I just have to make a step of faith in the same direction that the evidence was pointing. That's logical, that's rational, and that's what I did was a former atheist, and he was an investigative reporter. He surrendered his life after trying to prove that he was wrong, after his wife became a Christian. There is an extension of, the extension of Strobel's testimony. He is now a pastor, by the way, and a professor in a theological school. And his, one of his, his son is also a pastor serving God, and his daughter is also serving God. As I walked out, when he heard, when Strobel heard the preaching, he says, as I walked out saying, I was still an atheist, but also saying, if this is true, this has huge implications for my life. And so I used my journalism training and legal training to begin an investigation into whether there was any credibility Christianity or to any other world faith system 
for that matter. I did that for a year and nine months. Again, at least do this, okay? If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, at least try to do, try to investigate it. Don't, don't just dismiss it. Just like, be trouble. But if you want to save time, just do what he did. <laughs> just read what he said. Read his research. I did it for a year and nine months until November the 8th of 1991. And on that day, I realized that in light of the torrent of evidence flowing in the direction of truth of Christianity, it would require more of faith for me to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian. Because to be an atheist, I would have to swim upstream against this torrent of evidence pointing toward the truth of Jesus Christ. And I couldn't do that. I was trained in journalism and law to respond to the truth. He graduated from Yale. And so on that day, I received Jesus Christ as my forgiveness. Next one. Now what? If the tomb is empty, now what? For the believers, I want to talk to you first. If the tomb is empty, our faith is real, right? It's real. Our faith is real. Our Jesus is alive, right? And why are we living a defeated life if you are still living a defeated life? Why are we still living a defeated life? Why are we still against challenges in our life and in our faith. Why are we not bold? Why are we not pouring our lives for Christ and for the message of Christ? Why is our retirement more important than sharing the love of Christ to someone? The enemy is so good. I believe he was the one who invented the 401k. <laughs> I really think so. I think he made us focus all our lives to building up money on our 401k, and he was the one who painted that, that painted that picture in our minds about the beach, life on the beach, with your margarita and your slippers, and then your status, living the life. <laughs> working towards that more. Even believers. That's the saddest thing. The world can do that. I could care less. Because that's, they have no other purpose. But for us believers, that's when it becomes so. Because our mind is diverted to now, here and now, instead of tomorrow, instead of heaven, instead of what God has called us to do. Now what? Ask for commitment. Oh, I'm talking to myself here. Ask for commitment from those who have made him as Lord. Oops, I wasn't supposed to read that. <laughs> Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christians, it's just not a shirt to wear. It's just not a poster to put up in your house to make your room fancy for HDTV. <laughs> Christianity is real. Our faith is real. We have a responsibility to live a, pleasing, a holy and pleasing life for Him. We have a responsibility that a cloud of witnesses are watching us. How are we living our lives? 
How are you functioning at your work? Are you glorifying him at your work? Are you destroying the testimony of Christ because of how you act? You're still the old grumpy self. Nobody likes. Are you not giving the love of Christ? And for those who have not surrendered their lives to Christ, the now what for you is why? What's stopping you? What is it? What evidence do you need? There is, there's no lack of evidence. If you are looking for evidence that Jesus is real, if he was born, if he lived, if he died on the cross, if he resurrected, there's evidence for you to see. But then most of the time, it's not the lack of evidence. It's your heart that's stopping you. You have a heart of stone. And the only way that that will change is that the Holy Spirit changes your heart. And my prayer that tonight will be the night that you will surrender your life to this, this one, I like this one. So I need everybody's help here. Can we change this one from there? The next one. So the tomb is empty. That means Christ is risen. So I'm going to say Christ is risen. You will say live for him. Can we do that? Filipinos are like, what? Are we, are we done? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are still like, what are you doing? If I say Christ is risen, you will say live for him. Okay? That's all right. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Romans 6, 7, 8. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. Amen? Amen. Please join me in the word of prayer. Thank you for your patience and your indulgence. Father, I thank you for your message this evening. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for you are true. And everything that we read in the Bible, and everything that you said that, that has already come true, and the things that will come true, Lord God, we are excited to see. Father, I thank you for everything that you have said tonight for, to us. Now, Lord, I pray and lift up everyone that's here tonight. I pray for blessings for them. For those who have not accepted you as their Lord, Lord, the ultimate blessing will be that they will finally surrender their lives to you. I pray that this will be the end. And if not, Lord God, I pray that that seed that is planted in their hearts will remain and will bother them, Lord, will give them sleepless nights until they finally see, all right, let me find out if you are real. That's a blessing. Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who have been defeated with their struggles, Lord God. I pray that you will give them the wisdom, Father, the wisdom to know that you love them, to know that you have forgiven that sin and to know that you are waiting for them to ask for forgiveness once again to get back right right back up Lord, and to walk with you again i pray for that Lord, that you bless them i pray for those who have broken relationships father i pray that you restore them i pray that you heal those who are sick father, god, emotionally and physically father i pray for, to rescue lord those who are in trouble financial trouble because of their, their mishandling of their funds, Lord God, or just some unfortunate events, Father. I pray that you rescue them. Send them help, Father. Help them. 
Father, I pray for the rest of us, Lord God. I continue to pray for guidance. I pray that we will continue to surrender, Lord God, to your leading. Father God, even if it hurts, Father, even if it hurts, even if it will cost us, cost us our lives, Lord, I pray that we will just let your will be done in our lives. Father, we thank you for your truth. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life. <laughs>